Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2022. My name is Amato, he, him, and with me is... Hi, I'm Serena, she, her. Thanks for coming back on again after a long absence. Yeah, it's been a while. I think the last time you talked about a fanfic was the BTS one, right? Probably. That was probably about a year ago, something (laughs) like that. Have you read any BTS fanfic since then? Nope. (laughs) None. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we had a change of plans about what we were going to record today. And so instead, we're taking the opportunity to talk about something that we've kind of wanted an excuse to talk about for a while, because we read quite a bit of a Rainbow Magic fanfic. What was it, like some months, half a year ago started, by now? Yeah. Something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you, now, like, I don't think this is a popular fandom. I, I'm on Archive of Our Own right now, and there's... 20 stories that have some rainbow magic content in them some of them are like mega crossovers and they're not even rainbow magic stories really Mm -hmm. so i think maybe we should tell our audience what this is that we're talking about Mm -hmm. sounds good i don't have any history in front of me so i'm not sure when rainbow magic started do you have any i i could look it up any sense well here's my sense yes it started just about long enough ago that someone who grew up on rainbow magic is now a grown-ass adult writing hundreds of thousands of words of rainbow magic fanfic yes so uh, it's got to be at least 20 years right maybe yeah i would say maybe like early 2000s or something like that but it's a british series right and i don't know if it was released in the u.s until more recently i don't know if you i don't know either about that the first time i ran into it was in taiwan because i was you know teaching kids mm -hmm. one of my kids was into rainbow magic I tried to use it as an example because, you know, she was writing a story and she like was just like, oh, this character and this character and this character and this character were in this place. And I was like, maybe you should introduce like who these characters are or what they're doing. Like, like how at the beginning of every Rainbow Magic story, they kind of lay out who these characters are a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and she didn't. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that, that was only like, what, six years ago? I had never encountered it mm-hmm. before then. And then, of course, the reason we are interested in it is because our older child was really into it for a time when he was, I don't know, four, Mm -hmm. something like that, four or five. We read many, many, many of them, and they all started to blur together eventually. (laughs) Um, And occasionally there would be one that would pop out that would be memorable. But for the most part, they are iterations of the same thing, Um, which also made us interested in this fanfic to see if they they did with it. take it in any interesting direction. Yeah. I, I pulled up a little bit more stats using the magic of the internet. Yes. It's from 2003. Okay. So it is just about 20 years old, slightly less by now, but like just just enough like I was expecting. It's the second most, they're the most borrowed children's books at libraries in the United Kingdom, mm. or at least they used to be for a time. And the second most borrowed books overall at those libraries in 2010 and 2011. Mm-hmm. It's like the first thing it says on Wikipedia. Okay. Okay. So the idea with Rainbow Magic is there's these two girls and they're friends with the fairies and... The fairies come to them for help every time one of their magic items gets stolen by uh, Jack Frost, who is an evil fairy person thing, and and his goblins. He's the Goblin King. He's the Goblin King, but he's not a goblin, apparently. He's not? They never call him a goblin. He's king of the goblins. He kind of looks like a goblin, but he's like icy and they're not. Hmm. Maybe they kind of are early on. Huh. Anyway, so there'll be these series is like, oh, this is the weather fairies. And, you know, this is the rain fairy. And the rain yeah. fairy's magic item got stolen. So things are going bad. Generally, wrong with the rain. series of seven. Right. Traditionally. Traditionally. Except then they cut down to four later on, apparently. 
Yes. And there's also special editions. Right. Many, many Christmas special editions. Um, and that's that's the main idea, right? Yes. Is there anything else to say about Rainbow Magic as a series? It's the same thing over and over and the, over again. The two characters are named Rachel and Kirsty. Yes. One has dark hair, one has light hair, otherwise non-distinguishable from each other. <laughs> um, and for some reason, they both come from families where both of their parents have the opposite hair color. And these are illustrated books, too. It's the most confusing thing. <laughs> it's like, oh, yes, here's Rachel. She's blonde. Here's her parents. They have dark hair. Yes. Here's Kirsty. She has dark hair. Here's her parents. They're blonde. Yes. I, I don't get it. No. Why? And I suppose the only other notable character I can think of that was a character in the beginning and later was not was Bertrand. Bertrand? Bertram? Bertram, the frog. Some yeah. sort of frog. S Footman. Footman. Butler kind of yeah. deal. But he fades. Oh, wait. And also, there's a king and queen of the fairies. Right. Which, like, they run fairyland. They don't do anything. They, they award accolades. Right. More <laughs> or less. I think that's the gist of it. They go, oh, they go to fairyland. They become fairy size. They go to fairyland. Right. They're always fighting goblins who have stolen the magic object. The goblins are always hapless and I guess always male, which is also a weird thing about this story is where it's like all the fairies are girls. Rachel right. and Kirsty are girls. They are fighting evil men. Right. Uh, <laughs> so it's a sort of battle of the sexes kind of That's the kind of thing uh, that... Vibe. <laughs> It was interesting reading so many of the books because then you go back and read the early ones before all of those things are set down. And so it's like really early on, you see maybe some male fairies in the background. In the background? Oh, really? Or really early on, it's not about stealing magic objects. It's like other things oh. going on. But that's only for like the first few series. And once they get their their pattern, they get it down hard. Mm -hmm. And so when we were in the throes, the second round of reading just so much Rainbow Magic. You mean more recently with yeah, more our recently. second kid, yeah. Uh, when in the middle of that, I I went looking for Rainbow Magic fan fiction just out of curiosity, and like I said, there's like 20 things on on archive of our own now. There were less back then, and of them, there's only one that was notable. This series called the University Life Fairies by the author Dandelion Fields, and it started being published in March of 2020. So this is mm. one of those times where we're not even remotely retro. And also, because it was a last-minute discussion, I did not contact Dandelion Fields, which I'm sure I could have. Hi, Dandelion Fields. We're talking about your fanfic. Hi. And it only got finished really recently. Um, it looks like July of last year, so half a year ago. And in the course of that less than a year and a half, this author hammered out 167,000 words of this like epic rainbow magic fanfic mm -hmm. uh, of a full seven books plus a special edition to cap it off. Yes. Very impressive. It was very impressive, yes. And so we started reading it together because we're in the habit of reading a book for bed, mm -hmm. like bedtime reading. And, you know, ordinarily it's more like, I don't know, what kinds of things do we read? Anne like, Green Gables. Mm -hmm. That kind of secret garden. Yeah. Uh, the Great Brain. Historical, like, young adult stuff. Mm -hmm. But then for, for a while we were reading The University Life Fairies. Mm -hmm. um, and I think in the end, we might as well say it out up front. We didn't finish the series. Mm -hmm. We got, let me check the chapter index here. In the end, we got about halfway through book six, Petra the Procrastination Fairy. Pretty impressive. And we should say too that this, is, this author is one of those people that fondly remembers Rainbow Magic as a child mm -hmm. and so wanted to write fan fiction about it and wanted to set the characters, the original 
girls that are perpetually, what is it, age nine or 10 or something like that? I think they say in this perennially, I don't know if that's the right word. Uh, Yeah, always the same age, no matter how many Christmases come and go. (laughs) They're always the same age. They're kind of locked in um, to that age. And so this author wanted to imagine what what would it be like if they stayed friends all these years and went to university together? Yeah, the author notes at the start of the first chapter say that she was joking with her mom about it'd be fun to write a rain- see a rainbow magic parody with them as like young adults uh-huh. and then just decided to actually go for it. Yeah. And so like a normal rainbow magic series, it's organized in a series of books and those books are each a fairy yes. and each fairy has some domain related to the larger theme. Of a university life. Right. Yeah. So please, please give us those fairies and those titles. Yeah. You find out the names of all of them like early on into the first book. And, you know, that's part of the joke is just like, what are these elements of university life that are, you know, going to be going haywire or whatever? And so we've got Felicity the Freshers Flu Fairy is the first book. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be the British term for when you get sick when you first go to college because you're exposed to like everybody's germs all the time. Olive the Overdraft Fairy. Overdraft also seems like a Britishism to me. Do we say that in, uh, in America? Yeah, if you overdraft your account. I guess. But that's overspending, right? Beth the Bad Breakup Fairy. Susan the Seasonal Depression Fairy. Esther the Hangover Fairy. Petra the Procrastination Fairy. And Steph the University and College Union Strike Fairy. <laughs> we did not get to it, sadly, but that sounds great. And you must say what the special edition is. Right. I think by the end of the series, you decide to cap it off with a special edition. The special editions being approximately three times as long with a fairy that has three items. And that's Kara, the Crisis of Sexuality Fairy, mm-hmm. which we also did not quite get to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can tell the series was supposed to be pastiche. And that's one of the things I want to talk about when mm-hmm. we're talking about the first book. The first book, Felicity the Freshers Flu Fairy, really feels much closer to being in the form of a really of a real rainbow magic book mm-hmm. um, and in fact there's an off there's like a fan who illustrated it and you know made it into a pdf and it's great um it's great seeing like her rendition of like these characters in a very similar art style but just like much older mm-hmm. um and it's also probably ballpark the length of a normal rainbow magic book mm-hmm, right which are pretty thin little chapter books they've got what like six chapters but you know With the illustrations and big font and such, they're not very long. Right. And um, I guess we should talk about the premise of the fanfic and stuff, right? Like the the characters are in college. Yeah. But the deal is they haven't been interacting with the fairies since they were 10 or whenever, whatever it was when they were actually supposed to be doing all those books. Did they actually explain why they stopped helping? Eventually, they just said, they like, I I think they were like, hey, can you find some other kid to like (laughs) help you out with these things? And the fairies did. (laughs) Um, I, I, I guess we can talk about characters too, because like you said, in the, in the original books, these two characters are completely indistinguishable. Right. No, and, no personality differences that we could discern, just different hairstyles. And I was trying because when we were reading this fanfic and we were reading those books, I was reading the books with an eye to like, mm-hmm. is there anything here that the author drew out to expand on the characters and distinguish, you know, Rachel and Kirsty? And I couldn't find a single thing. Uh... But in this story, um, now, now I need to get Rachel and Kirsty straight in my head for a moment because that's always difficult even after this. Mm-hmm. Kirsty's the one who kind of got more fed up with the whole fairy stuff, it seems, and um, mm-hmm. also kind of worried about the danger that it represented and all that kind of thing. And she's 
um, overprotective of Rachel, and you know they're both neurotic in their own ways. Uh, Kirstie's bisexual and clearly harboring deep, unconfessed love for her best friend Rachel, mm-hmm. and that's a big thing going forward in the story. Oh yes, and also probably a like low key alcoholic. <laughs> yes. And then, and what do you remember of Rachel? Rachel, I don't know, kind of shyer or something. Yeah, and she's got this like deep seated um, insecurity. Insecurity is the right word. Yeah, about like she felt like she was the the like less useful one, or had to be protected more, or yeah. like you know wasn't pulling her weight back with the adventures. And yeah, like, Kirstie's kind of always been the one propping her up emotionally too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think she has something where she, you know, has crisis, uh, not crisis, panic attacks in crowds. Mm, I forget yeah. what the term for that is. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, and so after whatever year hiatus in the first book, one of like a fairy appears before them and is like, hey, we need your help finding this magic item of ours that was stolen by Jack Frost. And, you know, their one initial response is like, why don't you have someone else to, you know, do this kind of thing for you now? And the explanation in the story is that, yes, but... They can't help with this stuff, which is on a university campus specifically. Um, hmm, they have to be in physical proximity, huh? Well, I guess so. It's like um, it wouldn't be. I, I don't know. It's one of those Sailor Moon type things where ordinarily the magic items just happen to be wherever Rachel and Kirstie are mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. all times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and there's so, some. Isn't there some phrase that they keep repeating, like "Let the magic find you" or something? Yeah, let the magic come to you. Is let what the magic come to you. Says. And in some of the books, it's like, oh, we managed to direct the magic items to this specific area or something. And other times they just don't even bother trying to explain or, yeah. or like, you know, no, Jack Frost def- is trying to do some kind of fun in the area. I but it's know. definitely one of those things where like they are just constantly lucky and they always find the thing and it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But the important new thing about their university life is that there's a third character now introduced yeah. who her name is Ruby. And the very first fairy book is Ruby the Red Fairy. And they describe this, this new roommate of theirs exactly like that fairy. And they're all confused. They're like, you're Ruby and you look just like this Ruby we knew, but you're not that Ruby. Like, they're confused, right? Like, Yeah, and it seems kind of suspicious to Kirsty, who like never quite warms to Ruby. But right. apparently it's just complete coincidence. Or I think maybe later we find out maybe people have fairy doppelgangers. I don't know. But it's not like she's magic. Do, do they not mention that? I don't remember There's a lot that. of lore dropping. On and off. I don't remember that. But but. that does lead us into one of the things about this series is a lot of kind of winks and nods to things in the Rainbow Magic series Mm -hmm. and like motifs and such. Oh, yes. One thing that I liked was that they had a box of all the treasures that the fairies had given them because like after they help a fairy, like they reward them with like, you know, here's a little necklace, here's a little charm bracelet, whatever. sometimes they're magic. And yeah, and they've just like kept them all, which is really cute. Yeah. And I think they commented like, yeah, some of the gifts were better than others. Yeah, they're like <laughs> looking at some lame ones. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's also where one of the one of the jokes happens where they have all these like 17 different Christmas items. And Ruby's <laughs> like, why do you have all these like Christmas stuff? It's like, well, because you have 17 Christmases when you're 10 years old. That's a universal life experience, right? And Rachel and Kirstie don't understand why that's weird. Right. But it's because there's like a million Christmas specials in the Rainbow yes. Magic series and no acknowledgement. But one of the most important trinkets that they have, and I'm not sure if it was explained how they got it or from which fairy, I don't remember, is the fairy dust locket or something. Yeah, that's really early in the series. I forget when they get it one exactly. One of the fairies early on, which just like allows them to transform into fairies and go to fairyland anytime they wish, which I guess they've just not been using all this time. Well, that's one of the things I was going to talk about. Sometimes the references to the series or like the, the you know, nods to the series or 
uh, making fun of the series or whatever. Sometimes it's really explicit and other times a little bit more subtle. And so in that very first story, uh, they're pursuing these goblins and they like climb up onto a roof and they're like, oh, well, we can't get up there, but like, how are we going to get up those goblins? And they remember their, their new roommate, Ruby, is like a rock climber recreationally. And they're like, oh, we'll go recruit her. And so they go to her and they tell her all about the fairies and that's how she's pulled into all of this stuff. And, you know, she's like, whoa, magic is amazing. Magic is real. This is like the most amazing thing. And they bring her over to the wall and they explain the situation. And Ruby's like, so wait, did, did you mention that you can turn into fairies? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we can do that. And Ruby's like, okay, so why don't you just turn into fairies and fly up onto the roof? And, you know, Rachel and Kirsty are like, whoops, I guess we didn't need you any. <laughs> we didn't need you after all. Never mind. <laughs> and, but I think that's kind of a joke because a lot of their abilities you know, they're as useful as they need to be in the original <laughs> books, right? Sometimes they forget about things that should be extremely useful or necessary uh -huh. just to make the, uh, make whatever conflict is at hand work in the mm -hmm. stories. Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of joke. And so that's the the basis of the story is that suddenly they've got this series of university life fairies. I, I mean, we don't need to go through the blow by blow. I feel like no. of like what happens. No. Like, you can just read any rainbow magic story and you yeah. get the idea. I suppose the most important Thing to say about this series as a, a motto mm -hmm. you go by motto on this right <laughs> i do that's how much you listen to this podcast <laughs> this person has many names um <laughs> that sounds fancier than it is anyway um i so i personally don't read a lot of fan fiction so he had to explain to me that like many fanfic creators bl balloon up their works as they go along i don't know what the term for this is I don't think there's a term. Uh, and so it definitely was like they kept getting longer and longer and longer. And it was about the one there was like, a, you know, lots of like plotty stuff that had nothing to do with the fairies. But like, you know, like really, really fleshed out plots that these were starting to get like more and more like novels. And like there's a whole scene of like something to be like a drama, you know, club and backstage and. I don't know. Yeah, there's a whole book that happens mostly in like the theater club. And and so they they I feel like this author, you know, continues to take creative license and like flesh this thing out further and further as these two extra characters that are completely unrelated to the fairies. Like Yeah, let's talk about some of those like ongoing plot threads because because we cannot re recapitulate, recapitulate. What's the word? We can't summarize every story, no. especially because we haven't read them in a long time. But we can talk about some of those longer threads. Sure. I just want to say with the length of the stories. Yes. I really liked the first book as pastiche. Yes. And then the second book is kind of pastiche and it's just kind of like a longer story. Mm -hmm. And after that, it gets pretty out of hand in terms of like feeling like rainbow magic. Yes, more and more. It's just like, okay, like the author wants to explore these characters and these like things that they have, I don't know, they have made up established, for, established yeah. and stuff. And it just feels like, yeah, you're no longer reading rainbow magic. You're just reading this author's work, which is fine. Yeah. But that made it harder and harder to continue well yeah yeah it just got longer it, too much to read though i know i guess you're gonna go blow by blow or not blow by blow uh book by book a bit but i actually really liked the one that had a lot of like dips in time like kind of like flashbacks yeah the hangover fairy the hangover fairy had a lot of flashbacks i thought that was pretty creative like i feel like we spent so much time with that book that like <laughs> that's the only fairy i remember it's like, I can't tell you anything about all of the overdraft fairies. Oh, yes, we fairy, should also but... say that this author tried to actually give the fairies personalities. Like some, yeah. some of them would like, like one of them would like hide in one of the girl's hair or something. And one of them was like, 
One of them was like really slovenly. That was like the Hangover Fairy, I guess. Hangover Fairy was, wasn't she the one who was kind of like uh, sharp tongued and sarcastic? Okay, maybe. But one of them, wasn't one of them like very like unprofessional was or something? seasonal depression fairy? That might have been, okay, that might have been that. So Season. I just feel like this author really tried to give the fairies, because like the the standard fairy, you know, like it may as well be the same fairy. They're all just like super cute, like well dressed, yeah, like different hairstyles, sure, exactly. different skin colors, sure, and different colors of clothing, sure. But otherwise, basically, just a Barbie doll. You yeah, know? they don't have personalities; they have outfits. Exactly, That's absolutely the case. So that that was also very clever that this author tried to make the fairies more unique, and also linked the fairies. Wasn't there like? There was like a, a, a wink to like that there's like a therapist fairy that's oh, super busy. Th that's one of my favorite like rainbow magic jokes is someone talking about mental health care in fairyland. And I feel like one of the humans says like, oh, so there's a therapist fairy. And the fairy they're talking to says, yeah, but only one. <laughs> Which is just such a great low-key rainbow magic joke because yes, there's like one, I don't know what to say. There's one cookie fairy. There's one like... Right. Uh, anything fairy. Yes. Painting fairy. So yes, there's one therapist fairy and her waiting, <laughs> her, her wait line is, is incredibly long. Yes. Okay. But um, sorry to derail. Maybe. You can oh, it's all derailment. <laughs> I, I think the last thing I want to say in terms of it drifting away from being pastiche is that it did make me sad when the author stopped doing the Rachel and Kirstie are friends with the fairies expository dump right, that happens like, at the start like of the, every single book. The set way you have to open a book and explain that they're friends with the fairies, even though you already know that. Right. Yes. Uh, the, and, you know, the author has her characters say, like, or, and I, I think the author says in the text, like, Rachel and Kirstie were friends with the fairies, which would be very interesting to hear if that was the first time you had heard it. But it was probably, <laughs> would probably be unnecessary if it was, like, the 100th time. Right. Anyway. Um, yeah, why don't we talk about some of the ongoing plot threads, though? Okay. Because uh, suffice it to say, through various shenanigans, various magical objects are, in fact, retrieved and handed mm -hmm. back over to but their fairies. But that is definitely... Not the central points no. of the books. I would say there's two major ongoing yes, plot threads. Yes, I agree. I think you know what they are. I sure do. The one is definitely the one that we touched on earlier about how Rachel has sort of an unrequited love. No, the other way around. Kirsty. <laughs> I know. <laughs> even after this, even after this fanfic does so much work to distinguish them, I'm still like, okay, which one's Rachel and okay. which one's Kirsty? Kirsty, the dark-haired one who's the bisexual one, has the unrequited love for Rachel. Right. And is sort of angsty about it and, like, tries to have this relationship with this other... Super cool super partner. Super cool person she meets at through the drama club. But that other person is like, hey, you're not willing to put me first because, like, you've really got your heart set on this other person, so you need to... Yeah. She's like, I'm um, too awesome a girlfriend to, like, be the person be you're settling two. for. Right. Yeah. In your in your world. So that's the main thing. And it definitely like I feel like where we were in book six, wasn't she getting close to confessing or something? Uh, like... she was going to and then she didn't. I don't know. So I don't know if that actually ends up happening or not. Um well, you know, it's it's definitely heading somewhere because Rachel especially as the series progresses, like Rachel is completely oblivious to Kirstie's love for her and who right. has her own hang ups about feeling kind of like inferior to Kirstie in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. But also there's all these things dropped with like um, her also probably being a closeted lesbian or bisexual. Mm. Um, and th that's clear to everybody except her, it seems. <laughs> I feel like- Oh, maybe that's the crisis of sexuality. Maybe they explore the relationship more there. It's got it. I mean, that's the crisis. The one who's having the crisis of sexuality is, is clearly going to be Rachel. Yeah, fair enough. I feel like there's one point where like when they're, they're in the drama club in that one book and 
a seasonal depression fairy. Mm -hmm. And I think someone asks her about her favorite musicals or something. And she, what does she say? Like Wicked and like a couple others that have these like major sapphic undertones specifically. Fun Home. Yeah, Fun Home. That's Uh right. It was like Wicked, Fun Home and something else. Uh And Ruby's like, huh. (laughs) Yep. That's the main, that's one of the main plot points. Um, The other one. Well, do we we have anything to say about Rachel and Kirstie? Oh. I've got to say, I wasn't, that I wasn't that invested, no. but that's just because. That's just because it's an it's it's. I mean, it's an obvious thing. thing to do. It is an obvious thing to do, and it's not the only fanfic, even among the twenty on archive of our own, that are doing that. Sure, like pairing up Rachel and Kirstie. Of course, there's no other characters to pair up. They're the only <laughs> characters, unless you're going to like, you know, pull They're in some only... fairies. I guess right, but like no one, the fairies don't stick around long enough to like get invested in any one particular fairy. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I would say my the major thing that that kind of stopped me from getting t- so into it is just that that plot thread was so drawn out. Mm. Like it just took so long. Even even the Hangover Fairy, which is a lot of like the interesting stuff with Rachel trying to date the girl whose name I forget and them mm-hmm. breaking up and her not remembering because of her major hangover mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. the needing to like kind of quest for what happened that night in, in form of hangover flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Like that was an interesting book. But the amount of progress per word in terms of that actual, like, plot thread was very low. Mm-hmm. Lots of words, little progress. Mm-hmm. Though I did, like I said, I also did like the format of that with the flashbacks. That was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely like at that point, I'm reading a different book. <laughs> at that point, I'm not reading fan fiction anymore. I'm just reading. Well, yeah, I mean, Rachel and Kirstie might as well be original characters. Yeah. It's not like they're, I, I, you know, they have their background. They have their background experiences. But yeah, but I guess that brings up point, the point where it's just like that other person that. Um, I can't remember her name. Kir- Kirstie was originally trying to date becomes kind of a normal, like a, a character, like oh, yeah. a background character. And also there's another like another male and female character that are like dating or they're something. They're like reoccurring background, like not yeah. background characters, reoccurring like tertiary like characters. Yeah. So I mean, I feel like, rubies. like the, the friend circle expands mm-hmm. slowly throughout the book. Can we get over to the more yeah. interesting plot? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Cosmologically interesting, for sure. I forget how this originally happened, but you probably remember better than I. I think I remember. Okay. Shall I lead into it? Sure. You start seeing the same group of goblins yes. over and over because that's what happens in a normal yes. Rainbow Magic series. Yes. Is that it's always going to be the same batch of goblins. Now, I should say, I think and when reading some of the original Rainbow Magic series, I think the goblins were not so indistinguishable from humans. In the beginning, if I remember correctly, they like I was. I remember reading a book to our younger kid where, like, specifically they had been magicked to, you know, kind to of appear like humans, like humans yes. or more like humans. But I, I should say that over the course of the series, probably pretty quickly in the series, the goblins are always green. They always have long noses and big feet. Right. So, like, they're an easy giveaway when well, they are trying. Originally, to, like, originally they're tiny and they bring cold with them. Like all these things kind of go away <laughs> as like the needs of the series progress. Yeah, but I guess long story short is like the goblins are like a separate race. Right. Um, of green people with long noses and big feet. And it would be very normal in a single series of Rainbow Magic or a single like special edition for there to be a batch of goblins and for them to be slightly distinguishable. Like the authors would say, oh, the tallest goblin or like, oh, the goblin that, you know, had this kind of attitude or whatever. Right. And so you're seeing the same group of goblins over the first couple books. And one of them is wearing a hoodie. Mm -hmm. And um, I think Ruby's the one who's kind of curious about what the deal is with the goblins from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Kirstie's happy to tell her like, oh, the deal with goblins, they're freaking awful. And I hate them. And uh-huh. like, they've tried to kill us repeatedly. And, you know, they're terrible. 
and you know Ruby's Ruby doesn't have that baggage. Right. And so over by the time of book three, I think she ends up locked in a room in I want to say that's Beth the Bad Breakup Fairy. I don't know. I I can't remember. It's not it's not before that. She ends up locked in a room with a goblin mm-hmm. when they're looking for these various, you know, magical objects in some like large building or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and she has a conversation with him about like, or I, I said him, but I guess we'll get to that in a moment. Right. Historically in the Rainbow Magic books. They are he. It's always he, yes. right. She's locked in a room with this goblin and sits down and talks to the goblin. And they... By the end of it, the goblin has described what the situation is with them, uh-huh. including like the fact that they're basically slaves to Jack Frost and it sucks, but like, what are you going to do? Jack Frost <laughs> is like an evil, you know, ice wizard who uh-huh. like controls their whole society uh-huh. and, and has for like many, many generations. Uh-huh. And um, Ruby kind of on a whim uses a magic wand that that fairy has dropped because they've always dropped their wand. No, that's that's later. Uh, One I of the fairies happens. loses her wand because she's like, oops, I'm forgetful. And just Always like, losing her wand. Yeah. And she's like, oh, it's no big deal. I'll just uh, fill out the paperwork for another one. Other, <laughs> other just little side jab is that like there's a lot of bureaucratic paperwork and such in Fairyland. In Fairyland, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, Ruby decides to squirrel this goblin who, who his name is Steve. Steve the Goblin. Right. She doesn't name him that. It's just like she asks him what his name is, which no one has ever done in a Rainbow Magic book. Mm-hmm. And he's like, my name's Steve. Mm-hmm. And like hides him in her um, her dorm room like, mm-hmm. and and teaches him about the human world. But also the long-term plan is to overthrow Jack Frost somehow. Yeah, as soon as they figure out how to do that. Becomes sympathetic to his situation and wants to actually help his entire race of goblins. Yeah, but free she, themselves. Yeah, she, but she doesn't want to be the white savior type person. She wants to like help him, you know, help the goblins too. Right. And they have no plan originally, but like she's just like, how come the fairies haven't helped you with that, with this? And he's like, because the fairies don't care. Yeah. Um, and up until as far as we read, she never really had a chance to talk to a fairy, a sympathetic seeming fairy about this either. No, but they didn't. They have a plan to capture a fairy or something like um, y- something like that. I, like something I think like that was I transpiring. think they s- or they stole another fairy's wand and then magic it because Steve needed a wand too. Yeah, um, so there's they're finding ways to take advantage of fairy magic and like right pl- plans were being hatched for yes. as far as we read. Yes. But mostly what this means is that there's all this world building through Steve the Goblin and through Ruby and through like them talking to each other about stuff. And you, you learn all kinds of, it's the author establishing all these things about the mechanics of how fairyland works and how goblins work and such. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's some kind of translation magic at play, which is how like they're able to talk to each other to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, I guess we were talking about he. Relatively early on in the dorm room, they have a conversation where like Steve is asking about about gender and she's trying to like, and she explains and she's like, uh, so what do you think? Do you you feel like a, a boy or a girl or something or what? And he's like, oh, no, we don't have genders. That's that's unrelated to me. I do not connect to any of those in the slightest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like so that's just like, like a little bit of goblin world building right mm-hmm. there, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then like kind of how they're, how they're able to step between worlds. It, it turns out Steve can step into fairyland from the human world and he can step back into the human world from anywhere in fairyland. And once they find that out, he starts doing things like stealing the wallet of the, the like university president for some spare money because he's a jerk and you know, uh, mm-hmm. 
and fuck the rich, like <laughs> that kind of thing. Oh, right. Steve is reading all this Marx and such. <laughs> yep. It's pretty great because that's what, um, that's like Ruby's major, I think. Oh, yeah. So, so she was something. I don't remember what her major was. It was Economics something. something. It, I forget. It was one of those like smushed words things. <laughs> Political economics, <laughs> something like that. Sure. <laughs> I feel like the author makes a low-key joke in the first book where, you know, they ask her major and she's like, oh, political economics. And Percy's like, oh, that's great. And the author adds, which is what you respond when you learn that someone is not only majoring in economics, but they, you know, but but they're like doing it with a focus in politics mm. because that what horrible shit all that is. Anyway, I don't know. Um, so yeah, the what do we want to say about the kind of Ruby Steve ongoing plot stuff? It also seemed like somehow wasn't there even like even though Steve was like we don't have gender, mm -hmm. still seemed to like fall in love with Ruby. Not that you can't fall in love no. with someone who don't have gender. Wasn't there some kind of there's there all some these kind of there's these multiple something. I feel like hints wherein he needs to explicitly ask, is this some kind of romantic gesture? And Ruby's like, oh, God, no. Oh, right. That's what uh, it was. Oh, speaking... he like miss or sorry. I don't know how we'll say they for the goblin. They sure. they didn't understand anything about human stuff. Well, well, but that also reminds me, I don't know if you were picking up on this, but in terms of crises of sexuality, it also seems pretty clear that Ruby's some manner of asexual and just does not understand that yet. Uh, because she's she's always like not relating to other people's you know, romantic troubles and expressing how she doesn't have any interest in any of this. And like, uh, they, they, ha they hammer home, I feel like a se couple, several times that like Ruby and Steve love each other and are great friends. Oh, like, and have just right, no, right, 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 not right. a romantic thing. Right, she's trying to make Do clear, not like, shift Ruby friends. and Steve. We are right. friends. <laughs> just friends. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I was confused. There were a lot of things happening in this series. Yeah. Long tangents about Doctor Who. <laughs> Yes. There's all these like background things given to things to characters like Rachel and Kirsty too. Jokes are made several times about Rachel's anime face that she had when she was 14. <laughs> and is super embarrassed about. Right. Yeah. I think Ruby's the one who's into Doctor Who and will, you know, at the drop of a hat complain about what a terrible show it is and how none of it makes any sense, but is also completely 100% knowledgeable about all Doctor Who trivia and like able to go on and on about it. Yeah, you got to wonder how much of this is like the author's own, like, you know, interests sprinkled in there mm -hmm. or how much is just the author just like one, like trying to put some geeky interests on these characters, like what they would have done between childhood and university. You don't write that much about Doctor Who if you are not yourself <laughs> super, super familiar with Doctor Who. Fair enough. So I think those are the major plot threads. Yes. Uh, and I, I guess we should also say that like, Another reason we stopped reading not was not necessarily because they got so long, but because maybe there were all these plot threads that it just kind of kept branching, right? And kept like fanning outward. I think the author was actually reasonably controlled in terms of not introducing huge swaths of characters that are important. Uh -huh. So for example, if you're thinking about like the computer science friend of Ruby's or right. whatever and his girlfriend, yes. it's like they're important. You don't need to like, no. they don't develop their own ongoing plot no, thread. I suppose not. Um, I've seen worse in terms of like an author, like 
not being able to resist making more and more plot threads、uh, and thus the story becoming like、okay. shaped like a river delta flowing out to the sea. Right, right. This was definitely, it just got much wider、mm -hmm. in terms of like the bandwidth of words that were being used.、Mm -hmm. That was my impression anyway.、Mm -hmm. um, but I guess let's jump back. Is there anything, anything we want to talk about specifically from the story? I feel a little bad we never finished it. Yeah, now I'm like, we should have at least like, seen like, who the last, <laughs> who the crisis of sexuality story was about, or maybe peeked at the last story, which was, what's the last one we didn't read?、Uh, the Strike Fairy. Strike, yeah. I mean, the university, university and union. What well, is it? Oh, there you go. Well, that's going to be more into like, overthrowing powers. Maybe there's going to be more <laughs> with the goblin. Well, it is the last book in the original series, so、yeah. I don't know. I don't know how, at what point she decided to put in like the special edition at the end of it right, or whatever. Right, right. I was a little bit surprised that we hadn't seen any trace of Jack Frost up through where we read. That's a good because point. Because it's not uncommon to not see Jack Frost、mm -hmm. or like only see him at the very end or something. But、um, it's, if I was a fanfic writer, I probably wouldn't be able to resist bringing him in. You know, somewhere before a hundred thousand words yeah, of fanfic. Yeah, considering he's such an important part of, especially like, and reading many of the original Rainbow Magic, I feel like he's depicted a little bit differently in different books. Like in、yeah. some books, he's more evil, and other、mm -hmm. books, he's more like hapless or like or sympathetic or just childish. Yeah, childish or like in some books, like you know, he doesn't seem to know what he's doing or something. In other books, he definitely is scheming. Like so, it's like you could, yeah. But I, I guess it's just this author is just a, chose to focus on different. I mean, Things, but you would think that that character that is so seminal to that's a very gendered word, um, so, <laughs> so central <laughs> to the original books, um, would come in. And also, I guess I, I don't think we even came across the queen and king of Fairyland in this either. Oh, they show up, it, it. they visit Fairyland in book one, like they always do,、okay. and and you know, the, the, that's where that's where they meet all of the fairies very briefly.、Right. And the king and queen say, Okay, yeah, go help us out.、Oh. They explain why Jack Frost is ruining university life for everyone. And it's because he watched the TV show Community on Netflix <laughs> and got jealous of never having had a like awesome college life. And so he decided no one else could. And that, that. that creates a really brief tangent about how they have Netflix in Fairyland. And which reminds me, I think one other thing we haven't quite touched upon is like the kind of complex web of. Fairies. Oh, that's true. Because actually, but I mean, in addition to like whatever 17 Christmas fairies, there's like some overlap in fairies. Yeah. Like, right? There's like the baby animal rescue fairy, but there's also like the, I don't know, isn't there another animal, animal one? Or I、something? think so. Well, there's the、uh, magical animal fairies. Yeah. And then there's various kinds of like sweets and stuff. Don't, so, what was it that they said about the fact that there's some overlap in themes of the fairies? Yeah. That's a good point. That's, that's more kind of like the world building. Yes. Yeah. What you're saying is that it's not super uncommon for there to be some overlap in fairies、yes. in the original series. And what they explained in this is that when, when there's a team of fairies, like the seven sweets fairies,、yes. and like here's the cookie fairy and the donut fairy and the birthday cake fairy, I don't remember.、Mm -hmm. When there's a set like that, A fairy is not only a member of that team, they might be a member of other teams as well.、Mm. So, the birthday cake fairy probably works with the, the sweets fairies and like the birthday fairies and the like,、mm. I don't know, there's probably a set of baking fairies, you know, like they're, they've got various. Or like holiday celebration fairies. Exactly. The example she gives, oh, it's like, oh, yeah, Ruby the Red Fairy is super busy. She has to like be involved in like, I don't know, it's like, What, 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 what does she even say? It's like, 
oh yeah, the color fairies and the socialism fairies and, you know, <laughs> all these like other fairies. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, no, not socialism. I think she specifically says co- like the USSR oh, fairies or yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, the, the, the reveal of, slow reveal of fairyland bureaucracy is definitely yes. fun yes. for people like us who have read way too many books. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'd say for anybody who's like super knowledgeable of this series, it was definitely fun to see the little jabs at things that were always unexplained in our minds. Although I guess I should ask you, Amato, mm-hmm. like I like I know we always had questions about how the fairy world worked and all this stuff. Did anything get answered like that you were wondering about before we read this series? Like, or is there like that I was wondering that, about, or things you wish that like they had explored more that you are always wondering about when you read the original series. In answer to the first question, I feel like part of the genius of the author is answering these questions that you never thought about until she answers them. Ah. And so, like, oh, I was not wondering exactly. It never occurred to me that there might be fairies on different teams, but oh no, that makes total sense. Or like. You know, oh yeah, how does it work that the goblins are able to travel to and from fairyland? Like, you know, can they do that at will? Or, you know, what uh-huh. are the rules there? And she like explains what the rules are. Or like, what exactly is the relationship between the wand and the fairy and what they can do with magic? Or what can they do without the wand or whatever? And yeah, like, don't she, they go into she addresses like some all training? that kind of stuff. Like, don't they say there's like training wands or something? And something like get, that. And then they graduate to get their regular wands or something. Yeah, and I feel like that's a thing in one of the really, really early series is where like the gem fairies or something are, uh-huh. are graduating to get their, yeah. their regular wands. But like she mentions, she talks about that more. For the other thing in terms of like things that... I I kind of would have liked to see. And I say this only not because I feel like the fanfic needed to go there, but just because this is the one person I have seen. They might be the one person in the world who has thought most about the Rainbow Magic universe. <laughs> like out of all people in the world, uh-huh. I'm not sure anyone else has spent as much time trying to flesh it out and figure out what the rules are as the author of this particular fanfic, which is, you know, 20 times longer than any other fanfic even on AO3 with Rainbow Magic. So in that sense, I would like to see that person's take on kind of the geography of Fairyland. In the really, really early books, I feel like they offhandedly mention, oh, yeah, it was a big party and like fairies and elves and, go- and you know, there were goblins around or whatever. And something like that's like, they, oh, there's elves? Like, what's the deal with elves or mm-hmm. that kind of thing? And maybe they even go to another like town in Fairyland besides the castle at one point really early in the series. And it's just, you know... Later on, they never do anything even vaguely interesting like that again. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would have been kind of something I'd be interested in in seeing more of. And it would also be, I, I feel like there's definitely room for a fanfic there to go into a little more the way in which they apparently have a like a series of children to help them with this these mm. crises. And presumably there were some before Rachel and Kirsty, right? So like what happened with those people or whatever. There's a lot of rainbow magic room there if you want to delve into it. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like being the chosen one, except you just muck around grabbing things from goblins as a 10-year-old. Mm-hmm. I'm saying 10. I don't remember how old they I were actually like supposed like to be. I feel like it was like 9 or 10. I feel Something like that. Nine. So yeah, despite the fanfic being extremely long and us having read a whole lot of it, Again, that was a while ago, so I don't know how many specifics we have. 
Is there anything else you want to touch on from the stories, like things that you enjoyed or remember or want to talk about or subplots or whatever? We've covered most of the things that stick out in my mind. Yeah, I imagine so. So, with apologies to the author again over the fact that we were doing this discussion last minute and did not refresh ourselves on a lot of the details, why don't we move into our final thoughts and just make this a short episode? Final thoughts would be first, what do we want to complain about or think could have been done a bit better with the fanfic? Well, I guess I personally would have liked if they were if they had all been pastiches. However, I can see that that is incredibly constraining yes. in terms of creativity. Because the author did a really good job of doing that for the first one. And it was like a pleasure to read because it's like all the little jabs and all the little like, here's you expect this and this happens, but right. like, he, 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 like it's not, you know, but they're grown now or whatever. But so I guess I feel like actually maybe that would have gotten old after like another book of that. Maybe it would have. So, so actually maybe, maybe it was fine. I guess, uh, I lost my train of thought. Well, I, I mean, well, we've been complaining about the ballooning lengths, I yes. think. And I, not complaining like it's terrible. Yes, it's just that I, I wasn't here... expecting it. Because it's like, I actually like really enjoyed when like, I don't know, it kind of, I feel like the author actually is really good about writing. In her stride somewhere like, in like three or four. Yeah, like I feel like actually like I can like recall like vivid scenes in my mind of like, you know, going through the, you know, theaters back, you know, rooms and props and stuff and and, and, and like, you know, they have a whole thing where they go to like, what, like a big box store or something. Like, I feel like they have a, there's a oh, lot yeah. of scenes and a lot of like fleshing out of like place and a lot of time. And I, and even with just with the characters, even with just that other character that like Kirstie tried dating, like is kind of a more fleshed out person, not just like a person, like a background character to support mm -hmm. whatever, you know, action or whatever, but like actually is a person that you get to know and then tags along. And like, I actually like liked a lot of the style of the author's writing and like I said to the flashback one with the hangover fairy I I enjoyed it I guess it was just it just started to feel um wordy yeah I think I agree I I don't think I can complain about the scope either because that's what that's what the author wanted to do yeah it's, like, it's actually kind of charming yeah but but I did feel like and I think I I touched on this before just that it took longer to do what the author was setting out to do than would have been necessary mm -hmm. with like, you know, being edited down or whatever. And even though a lot of the scenes, like she has a, a strong handle on these characters she developed, they're usually a pleasure to watch, mm -hmm. but it makes it hard to get through in a way. And like, it could have been streamlined somewhat mm -hmm. like not down to the level of like being a normal rainbow magic but book, that's probably just one of those somewhat. things where like most fanfics are not edited right yeah that's right where like if if there had been an editor maybe been, like <laughs> cut out the scene you know make this page into a paragraph you know like maybe it could have been a bit tightened up it's not uncommon to have a beta reader right. like read your fanfic and provide feedback but even then they're not doing what an editor does right because there's that... no word limit right it's not like look we this is going to be like a 150 page book or whatever right. like there's no increasing costs to writing more right because i imagine it, like a, an initial reader just be like wait this part doesn't make sense or like wait there's a you you, you missed some punctuation over here or something i i imagine yeah so yeah I, i'd say that's 
That's also my complaint. It's just like, I feel like it could have been tightened up somewhat mm -hmm. to make the reading experience more clear. Also very interesting. And especially like the fleshing out of the, the goblin mm -hmm. story and such. There's definitely some good world building. Well, let's move into praise because yes. after we complain about something, we say, what did we appreciate most about the fanfic? Yes. Sorry, I don't think I kept mine cleanly on the dislike side. Oh, we don't side. always. <laughs> Sometimes but. it goes back and forth. I, I feel like once or twice I've I've tried to keep people on praise and yeah. like Tori keeps yeah. not being able to. That happened once at least. <laughs> yeah. Go on. Yes. Yes. I I liked, I guess just some things I said earlier. I like the differentiation between the fairies. Mm -hmm. How like some of the fairies were like good at their jobs and some of the fairies were like, ha you know, more hapless at their jobs and like losing stuff and like unprofessional. And <laughs> I liked that. Uh, I, I liked that they the like, I liked that they had the box of box of goodies i wish i wish yeah. they would do more with that like 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 just like <laughs> have, have them rummage through for old magic more items. like or be like oh i still use this pen that this, this whatever fairy gave me or something but i mean that also i also wonder how much this author had to like reread books to remember these details she mentioned actually she did very very little re okay so it's just whatever stuck out it was mostly mind. just suck, what stuck in her mind from reading them as a kid mm -hmm. and also like she read that one series and was horrified to learn or like when she was doing research online she like found out what the goblin's official backstory is and how it's basically horrible slavery and how like no one in this actual series seems to care about that, which is what prompted the entire I see. like Steve arc. I see. Uh, but that that only that showed up after she was a kid and reading these books to begin with, right? Like right. long, long after. Yeah. Speaking of which, I'd say I, I do really appreciate the world building because it's lots of fun and there's a lot of like jokes to be had at the expense of the Rainbow Magic series, but also ways in which she's taking the world seriously and kind of trying to, like, even the fairies are like people who have concerns, like you said, and mm -hmm. exist in a world and they have jobs and they have opinions and they like some people more than others. <laughs> and it just makes it, it makes it all feel very real. And so, so do a lot of kind of the specific character elements, like the way Rachel and Kirsty don't have the same attitude towards their fairy adventures. Mm. And, you know, Rachel's feelings are very mixed about being drawn back into this at all to begin with. It's like, haven't, mm -hmm. haven't we been hassled by enough goblins? Haven't we gone through this enough times already? And, you know, Kirsty's the one who's more enthusiastic. It's like, oh, yeah, and the world is full of enchantment and magic and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's definitely a pleasure to read as a fan of the series. And, you know, there's no good time to talk about this. I want to note another thing because I have archive of our own pulled up here. And I'm thinking, can this be right? I'm looking at the stats for this fanfic. 60 chapters, you know, 167,000 words plus a little bit. And then she added a, a second thing on Archive of Our Own, which is like deleted scenes or like extra scenes or like short stories in the same universe or whatever extra she wanted to write. It says 1,849 hits. Can that be right? Can so few people have even opened this long novel of a fanfic? 266 comments, it says 90 kudos, 25 bookmarks. And that's like... Are you saying that's a I, low number? It's a low... Well, it's just like f so, so much work yes. for such a small audience. Mm. is just, I don't know. It, it, it makes me impressed with fan works writers again. Yeah. Just that... And also the fact that she finished this thing, like... That is pretty amazing, yes. It would be so easy to imagine... Getting a hundred and like, what is this? 
120,000 words into this Rainbow Magic epic and then just being like, oh, geez, I, I'm done. I can't write another, you know, 40,000 well, words to finish this thing. You did say that it, it was started at the beginning of the pandemic, correct? <laughs> oh, it sounds geez. like this is this person's pandemic project. 2020 March? Yes. Yeah, you're right. I don't know whether or not that was, it, this was started before the pandemic. Well, March was a little bit before down, things really were happening, yeah. I mean, it was, it was like mid-March when things shut down, so. I don't think anybody, it says March 5th. Oh. Nobody at that point was being like, well, I better settle in for like no. a novel and to that, write. At that point, no. But so maybe it was just like pure, like whimsical that like, you know, this author started it at, at that point and it was like, well, now I've got nothing. To, I mean, I don't know what their life was like during the pandemic, but, you know, sounds like maybe some hours were poured into this. It was probably the influence of Fanny the Fan Fiction Fairy making sure that this got started at an opportune time. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Also, someone had better get on retrieving the pandemic fairy's magic item because this is getting ridiculous any <laughs> the pandemic fairy there you go the problem with all of these is that by now they've used up all the names I and know. so it's probably like oh there's probably already a penny and very annoyingly for reasons which we do not understand they changed some names from the british fairies to the american fairies yeah. uh when they ported them over for yeah really but then I think at times it overlapped in the wrong direction or like they had yeah, to sometimes like move then things around. Would, like then the British fairy would be given, a, a later British fairy would be given a name that was already assigned to an American fairy. Yes. Uh, th the author addresses that too, remember? Oh, no. At one point, the author is talking about how they have, the fairies have different names and sometimes even different appearances in different parts of the world <laughs> in order to address the translation issues and occasionally like different illustrations for uh -huh. like the Korean version right. of like Rainbow Magic or whatever. Yeah, that's right. The Korean one has different illustrations, isn't it? Yeah, apparently they only did like the first seven books, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all these rainbow magic plot holes that we never worried about. All right. So anyway, all I wanted to say was that I'm just deeply, deeply impressed by fanfic authors all the time. Yes. And in this case, by the sheer amount of work to a small but enthusiastic response from like the very, very small uh fandom of rainbow magic doesn't the author anyway have like a big preface of saying like i just wrote this for myself and my mom or something mm -hmm. like isn't, isn't there something like that at the very beginning so it's definitely like a passion project right like for the pleasure of it and not for any kind of fame or glory yeah something like that yeah if she was looking for fame and glory <laughs> should have gone the doctor who route Sure, that <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe also writes Doctor Who fan fiction. Are you able to like see if that author has other fan fiction? Yes, indeed. I have never opened this. Okay, what's your guess? Doctor Who. This is the only fanfic she's ever written, at least on AO3. Okay, well, Doctor. I'm who actually more surprised by that. Doctor Who fan fiction is waiting. Didn't you say this was just finished recently? Yeah. Well, I mean, the the extra chapters are still ongoing, but wow, the main story was finished. Um, it looks like maybe six months ago now. Okay. Um, geez. Well, this is definitely a gateway. That's the first thing you put on the internet is this like super huge ambitious project that you finish. Okay. Well, anyway, I'm, I'm kudos, done being kudos. amazed at that. Yeah, I guess, I guess we can wrap this up. impressive. Yes. So once again, that story was the University Life Fairies by Dandelion Fields. You can find a link to it on the show notes. And I'm also going to provide specifically a link to the illustrated version of the first book, which, you know, you can also find a link to that in chapter one of the fanfic on Archive of Our Own, but I'm going to provide a direct one too, because I just, I like it so much. And if you're a Rainbow Magic fan or have ever read a single Rainbow Magic book, 
then I think that's the thing to check out um, and then see if you want to keep reading from there. Mm -hmm. Thanks again for coming on, Serena. My pleasure. The intro song for the podcast is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. Our podcast is edited by Della Davis, and we're experimenting with new equipment today, which is probably the most novel thing Della has had to do in like some time. So hopefully it's exciting. If you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, you can contact us on Twitter at RetroFanfic or send us an email at RetroFanficRetrospective at gmail.com or a couple other places on the internet as well. And you can leave comments or reviews on Apple Podcasts in particular or whatever podcast service you use, which would also be appreciated. I'm Amato. I'm Serena. We're just two Earth life forms waiting to be recruited to find fairy magic objects. Until next time, take care. Bye. What's our total recording time? 